Welcome to another episode of the Flow Roll Podcast. I am your host, Edgar Otra Vez, and my co-host for today is Cousin Primo, and we're going to be doing a review of the movie Black Phone. Now, if you're new to the show, we are an entertainment podcast. We do movie reviews, retrospectives, fight breakdowns, and interviews. Now, if this interests you, make sure you head on over to our website, thefloralpodcast.com. There, you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes and a store where you can buy some merchandise and support the podcast. Now, this movie, Black Phone, is directed by Scott Derrickson and stars Ethan Hawke, Mason Thames, and Madeline McGraw. Now, be warned... We are going to spoil the movie, so if you haven't seen this yet, make sure you jump off, go watch it, come back. Or you can continue on if you don't care, but you've been warned. Now, on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Floral Podcast. This is Edgar Otra Vez. Otra Vez. And today on the show, my co-host is Cousin Primo. What's up, Primo? What's up, brother? Primo. How you doing, bro? I'm all right, man. Just enjoying this time off right now, man. Just, you know, relaxing, chillaxing, and messing around. What about you? What you been up to? Uh, you know, just hustling, man. Just hustling. I got the job. I got the day yeah. job. I got the podcast. I got some art stuff going on. I got lots going on. Today's topic of conversation, we're doing a review of the movie Black Phone. And uh, Black Phone is directed by... Scott Derrickson and it stars Ethan Hawke, Mason Thames, and Madeline McGraw. Primo. Yes, what, sir. Before we get going, what are your thoughts? You like the movie, you don't like the movie, and without giving that too much away just yet. Well, first of all, it's like it's a it's like a supernatural drama. Or am I am I right in making that assumption? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a okay. Supernatural drama, thriller, horror. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's one of those type of movies where, man, you got to pay attention to this movie. And I mean, and I loved it. And not only that, I loved it, I loved it so much that I watched it twice. Because I just, there were things that you just, if you're not paying attention, you need to focus on what's going on with this movie. You know, and it's a great movie, you know. And I was like, wow. I was like, this is one for the books because it's actually on my top one of my top 10 movie lists that top horror movies that i enjoy yeah i saw i saw the trailer and i was like man i gotta check this one out this one looks really interesting and um i went to go see it with rick gavel um one of our many guests that we had on on the show and he's you know he's a horror director for those of you who don't know and he he really liked it a lot. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I I really enjoyed the movie as well. I thought it was great. It was a really, really good movie. Um, some of the uh, some of the the things that it's it's a it's a movie that really got kind of suspenseful, you know? And right. yeah, there was a few jump scares because it is a horror movie. Mm-hmm. But um not a lot of them. And they weren't and I I don't I don't have a problem with jump scares, but it always seems like the jump scares are a little kind of like a cheap trick. Uh, uh, I don't know if I, I would say it was cheap in this, in this movie, but mm-hmm. they were, uh, the movie in general was very suspenseful. Um, I right. was, I was hanging on to every word, every moment. I couldn't peel my eyes away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was, 
I don't know what it was. Maybe it's because it was the, the there was a child involved, or if it was mm-hmm. the the quiet tone of the movie. You know, uh, it, it was I like the setting of the movie. Like it was it simple, takes place right? in the in the seventies, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was plain and simple. Nothing, nothing too far fetched. Yeah, you know. So something uh, that could really happen in like in our time, you know, something realistic. I mean, it seemed like it was based a little bit on the um, uh, what's the name of that killer? Ten John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, was it Gacy? Who who was Gacy. the killer who ran around with the dressed up like a like a clown? Man, I want to say G- Gacy. Hold on, clown killer. I'm gonna look it up. I don't know my psychopaths. Uh, you um, might get the killer clowns from outer space if you say clown, clown killer. <laughs> clown child killer. It's John Wayne Gacy, I think. John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. yeah. John Wayne Gacy. So this was based a little bit on John Wayne Gacy. John Wayne Gacy uh, was an American serial killer and sex offender who, uh, you know, abducted children and did awful things to them. To at least uh, 33 young men and boys. Mm this character was very much the grabber was very much based on this on John Wayne Gacy. But anyway, here, Mm -hmm. let's go ahead and do the synopsis. So just a quick synopsis of what the movie's about. In this movie, we have a 13 year old boy who was played, I believe by Mason Thames. Yeah. Mason Thames plays Finney and he is the protagonist in the story. He lives with his sister and father who have recently lost their mother due to unknown and in some ways unexplicable things uh we get a sense as the movie progresses that the mom had certain abilities and those abilities drove her mad and eventually made her do certain unspeakable things so unspeakable that we don't know what they are because they never tell us but she also commits suicide and uh that leaves the family without a matriarch now the the dad is an incapable he doesn't necessarily have the tools or isn't capable to be able to kind of move past that and is a little bit of an asshole. He just, he beats the kids, he drinks alcohol and just does all the wrong things to cope. The girl, Madeline McGraw, who is Gwen, that's Gwen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, Mason Thames is Finney, they're the brother and sister in the story. Uh, right. They have um, psychic powers. And the girl is actually beat by her dad for claiming to know to have these dreams that come true. The dad doesn't like it, sees a similarity to the mother, and uh, acts negatively towards it he, with you know beating her and all that in the hopes to like beat the psychic out of her, which is crazy. So the story progresses. There's the, the town that they live in is, is haunted by the person they are calling the grabber. The grabber is, is basically this character that we were talking about who's based on John Wayne Gacy and is going around kidnapping little boys. In the beginning of the story, they kidnap an Asian boy named Bruce. He's somebody that, that Finn really knows. And it starts to become real, really real for him in terms of like, wow, this is you know, they grab Bruce while wow, they grab somebody I know, right? He mm-hmm. knew all the names, but I guess he knew Bruce personally. So anyway, uh, eventually the grabber grabs him and he ends up in the grabber's basement where he's held captive and basically kind of sets him up 
to commit what he calls a bad boy act. When he does something a bad boy does, then he goes along and finishes basically what a, a script in his head that he keeps. Everybody follows the same path. And if you're a bad boy, he beats you and then eventually kills you and does other horrible things to you. We find this out because uh, Finn is having conversations with people, dead people on the phone. He realizes that the phone only ever rang for him. And so then we find out that he has psychic powers and is able to communicate with the dead through the phone. Everybody who calls him on the phone leads him to another clue that eventually like a grand plan that allows him to escape from pulling the the bars off the window to digging Mm -hmm. a hole in the ground and in the wall to all these things, which eventually all aid him in escaping and eventually leaving the house, doing away with the, with the bad guy and getting back to his sister and father. Right. In the end of the story, the father repents and tells him that he's so sorry and that he loves them. And it's weird because the kids don't hug him back. That was a note that uh, Rick Gavel noticed. Right. And um, you get a sense of like, so now the boy is has become a, a bit of a fighter, which is something we'll talk a little bit more of in, in, in the end. But so super creepy movie and really interesting to see the spirits in the story actually be a force for good versus right. the antagonist in the story who is in the real antagonist is a human. So I found this whole movie super interesting. And the whole time that kid was in the basement, I was locked, dude. I was locked in, you know, but something about the whole time, like you said, in the seventies, something about it made it so um, nice to look at. I don't know what it was, man. I, I really dug the the setting. The, the It's a period piece. It's set in the seventies. Right. I feel like it's a more like, a quieter time i want to say it's like it's like um you know it's like oh it's relaxing it's it's it's, it's a small town it's, a, it's nothing a, it never happens nothing big happens in this town from what i should say yeah so it's a quiet little small community because everybody knows each other mm-hmm. okay even though he knew he didn't really know Bruce. All he knew was all he knew Bruce, which is the Asian baseball player. Yeah. And all he knew about him was that he was on a, he's on a baseball team. Okay. Well, yeah, he played so, again. And then the played kid again. And the kid even gave him a compliment. He's just like, he's got what was it? It's like you have the arm. Because you almost got me. You almost got me. You, you almost got me. You got the arm. You almost got me. Huh. So there was there was that interaction there but then there was another interaction with another kid the hispanic kid which is by his name is um ruben robin robin my fault robin so that one there was the one who told him hey you need to um he goes you're you're a fighter you need to fight you know you can take a punch but you need to learn how to fight to defend yourself you know, and that was one of the concepts of things that I wanted to, I don't want to be racist or anything, but it took a Mexican to show that kid how to fight. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, yeah, I like that kid. I hated that they, that he got killed off, right? Um, but he was one of the spirits that kind of gave him that last pep talk. Cause right. each, like you're saying, each, each ghost not only gave him a way out and some hope, but mm-hmm. also kind of talked him up. 
got him motivated to like do something right. to get himself out. But that guy in the in the end there, he was he was the biggest pep talk. He was the one who was like who got him fired up and be like, you got to fight, you got to fight, you got to yeah, you, you got to fight. You gotta, he even told him told him what to do. You got to jump forward, jump back, and then swing right because he mm-hmm. was telling him fill the phone with a bunch of dirt and all this stuff. Like, right. so let's talk about what each ghost asked him to do. There was, mm-hmm. there was the ghost that said, there's some rope. You're going to find some rope in the crack of the wall where the wall meets. Right. The so he pulled I out think that was the paper boy. That was the paper boy. Right. That was the paper boy. That kid told him how to push the rope up the, the roll of carpet. Right. This was so fucking smart. I know one is dead, but like, how is this spirit, mm-hmm. you know, he's supposed to be a kid. How is smart? How smart is this kid? And so he pushed his rope through the, the hole uh, on the rolled up carpet and was able to get the, the rope around the bars and was, it was pulling him down so that he can try to get up there and maybe open the window and, and yell for help. But instead what ended up happening was he pulled the bars right off the window and then wasn't mm-hmm. get back up there. Right. So that was one. Then there was the kid that told him to, to dig in the on the floor. That was the the bully, Bruce. I think. No, I think it was Bruce. I think no, Bruce told him. Oh man, I want to say Bruce taught him something else because he was the second phone call. Yeah. So I think what he told him to do was, man, I can't remember, and I just watched it today too. Yeah. Well, man, I mean, first of all, how many spirits are there? There's like five there's, or six. There's like five or six of them. I can't remember how. Right. How many they were exactly, but there, yeah, there was there was that many kids because there was the right. white kid who got in a little fight at the store. Then there was Bruce. Right. Then there was the little Mexican kid who was the fighter who was the last, mm-hmm. I think, the last ghost. Then the, you have the paper boy. You have the paper boy. Then you have the one who can't remember because he had. They took them off. They took him off the bike. And. He gave him, he used the combination lock to lock the back door. Yeah. So he said he wrote down the com- the combination. He just doesn't remember in what order the numbers go. Yeah, he didn't remember if, if the numbers were like, because I remember it was like something like 23, 30, something mm-hmm. like that. And so he didn't remember if it was 2331 or mm-hmm. 2331, et cetera, or whatever. Whatever the numbers were. He didn't. He just knows that there will strings of numbers were supposed to be in that order, but he doesn't know. He doesn't know if there's if they belong together, or if there's you know how they how they're actually combined. Right. Um. But yeah. So and then I think there was like the first phone call. That was a different kid too. Right. And that kid, I don't think told him to do anything. I think he told him that the door was open. Well, somebody that told he, him- he he warned him that. That he's around the corner. Yeah. And if he goes up, and he then, gets beat up. Right. So he he just he just waited, told him to wait. He's like, no, if you go this way, he's gonna hit you. He's gonna knock you out. And he's like, no. Well, I mean, we don't have to attach, you know, like the we just know that there's those ghosts. I can't mm-hmm. remember in in what order they they started talking, but I also don't remember who said what. Right. So, but like the, the clues that they gave us was the the windows. Right, the freezer. The the freezer. That's right. One of them told him to go ahead and dig in the wall. Mm, I think that was the bully. Was that the bully? The yeah. the the white kid that that started a fight in the 
in the store? Yeah, I think I think that was him because at the same time that conversation started, his sister was seeing what the ghost was trying that which was telling his brother. Uh-huh. Okay, and he she saw word for word what he was really doing, which is this is the address of where we're at. Mm-hmm. It was you weird. Know, she was having the conversation at the same time mm-hmm. that he was having the conversation with with Finn in the basement. Right. Because she was asleep in the tub. Yeah. And he wasn't necessarily talking to either one at the same time. Right. Like he was talking. And then at really, at one point, he was talking to Finn. But then at another time, even though he was appearing to both of them, was, she was actually talking to, to Gwen, you know, who was, I believe her name was Gwen. Yeah, Gwen, um, mm-hmm. who was on her way to find them. It was... That was really a really cool scene, and I like how they how they pulled that off. Right, that was a good scene. Yeah, he existed in both places at the same time. Right, in her dreams and and him in reality making the phone call. Yeah, that was great. It was a great scene. I like that. It was kind of. It was like I was like, "What's going on here?" And I was like, "Wait a minute, he's doing he's doing this. He's just acting out." But they're both seeing it and hearing it at the same time. Yeah, which was great. And I was like, "Wow, that's a great scene. Great so, scene." The, the the one where he got the combination lock and almost got out of the house. Right. Dude, I was like cheering for him. I'm like, he's going to get out. He's yeah, exactly. Get out. And he did not. He got yeah, away. He actually got his away. dog. <laughs> and the bad guy grabbed him. Right, because the dog barked. Yeah. And woke his ass up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he could have just kept on going. Fuck that. But he hit him with the car. He like slammed the car in front of him. He ran into it and told him he would slit his throat if he ever made a noise. Oh yeah, because he tackled him to the ground and was mm-hmm. hiding like in the bushes. And people were coming to the window, and it was night. Right. So people right. were to the doors and the windows, and they were turning on their light and they were looking out to see what was going on, or actually couldn't really see anything. Right. You just know that. Right. On. And when people turn on their lights, it's because they're looking out to see what's going on. So they turn on the mm-hmm. light. And they don't necessarily expose themselves in the window. So they're looking out right. the window even though you can't see them. So that's that's what it's kind of insinuating. But yeah, they, they got they're, they're hiding in the bushes and dude grabs them, dude, and it's like he sticks that knife in his throat, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And he was like, You make a noise and I will slit your throat. And in my head, all I could think about was like, Fuck, you mean not live anyway. Exactly. Like, shout your fucking head off, you know? Like, really? Is I don't know, man. Like, I would hate to be the parent that would have to find their son dead like that if they if they did kind of react and this guy did cut him. Right. Uh, it's it like I was conflicted. Like, what do you do in that situation? Oh, man. Because in the end, he did survive, right? <clears throat> exactly. He fought back. Now, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. The killer. Mm-hmm. The grabber. My understanding of him is that he has multiple personalities. That's what I got. See, because every time he came down, like the different part of the mask was on. He would have the top part, then he had the lower part, then he had the whole part. Yeah. And, and he I had just kept thinking. Pieces. Or he had three different. Right. Well, he had he, the mask itself was in two pieces. Yes. The mask, the one face completely. I thought that was one personality. Then the one with just the bottom part of it, which is just a grin, that was another personality. 
And then the top that covered up his eyes, I think that was another that was another personality there, a more aggressive personality. So like he had and but he also had like two pieces, three pieces for the bottom mouth. So for Did the, he? Yeah, he had three pieces for the mouthpiece. For the mouth area, there was the first piece that we saw that had no mouth. Then there's the second piece that we saw he had a grinning mouth. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, eventually, we see the, the the frowning mouth, the mouth that looks angry. That was the one piece that he would wear when he was waiting for him in the chair upstairs, waiting for mm-hmm. him to break the rules, unquote, quote, unquote. Right, right, right. So that was the angry face. And I, at first, that's what I thought, that maybe he had like, like some kind of personality disorder. But I don't think so. I think he's... I mean, obviously, he's fucked up, right? But I don't think he. Yeah. Had, uh, I don't know anything about John Wayne Gacy. Maybe John Wayne Gacy did have something like that. But yeah. uh, as far as I could tell, it wasn't so much that was uh, reflective of some kind of personality. It was the the different mask choices. I think were signs of the different stages that they mm-hmm. were, you know, or what he was expecting. He was playing roles, and these were the masks for those roles. So I think what was going on was, you know, now I'm angry. I'm I'm waiting to be angry. I'm gonna wait for mm-hmm. him and I can I'm gonna wear my angry face and beat him up. And uh since he never really participated in that piece of it, uh he kind of sat there in vain. But mm-hmm. the smiling face is the face he put on when he was like trying to be nice to the kid and giving him food and doing all that shit. Right. I don't know. Creepy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, because after after the after the initial he was trying to escape, you know, he rigged the floor so he can fall down, break his ankle and all that crazy shit. When he took off his mask, he started going crazy. Yeah. That's what I was like, oh, it's a personality thing now. Because the mask represents a piece that is a is part of him. Mm-hmm. Or he he just didn't want to or he's he's under the influence like his mask is him. And without it, he's nothing. That's yeah. why he was covering up. I don't know. Uh, I I don't I don't think. And again, I don't think it's it's linked to any kind of um, identity disorder. I think it's more like I don't know. It, it's just so weird. I got to think about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. For him, it's like a f- he's protecting like his inner side. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a side of him that does these awful things. No, he didn't want to show his face. And then if he that's shows why he wears a mask. That's why he wears a mask. Cause he's, oh. he's kind of protecting himself from the atrocities that he does. Mm, so okay. when, he, when he doesn't have the mask on, he's exposing himself and it's more like it's painful for him to be actually out. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, that's my guess. It's not like he, like, you know, now you broke him because now he doesn't know what personality to wear. I think it's more like you you exposed him to to being seen and, and in terms of like not being seen like, oh, you're gonna ID him. More like you exposed his his actual thoughts, his actual self can't take the awfulness that he has that he likes to do. So he covers his face because it's a shame thing, I think. Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah, yeah I, I can see that. 
Uh, that's that's how I get it. I, I I really don't know. I would probably have to kind of investigate and see what John Wayne Gacy was like. I, I should have thought about that, man. I didn't think about John Wayne Gacy. Uh, one of my sticking points, and it's something that that Rick uh, brought up, and I can't I can't take credit for it completely. But Rick and I, you you got to go out with us next time we go see a movie, because him yeah. and I we'll sit there like after the movie and just break that movie apart hmm. him and i you know and we just have like the best conversations but anyway like so uh between him and i and the conversation we had we had a problem uh with the kid killing the bad guy at the end so in the end the the bad guy comes down and it's the last the last round he's had enough right. And he's going to kill him, right? He's going to do awful things to him and then kill him. He brought right. a dog down, which I don't really understand why he brought the dog down. He brought the dog to, down. To, keep, to guard the door. To guard the door, right? Well, what right, that's all. But I guess he can't lock it from the inside and then be able to get out, right? I, I don't know. That's true. He can't lock it from the inside. That's first of all, if that was the case, then the kid could have got out at any time. Yeah. The dog was there to protect, to make sure he doesn't walk. He doesn't make a break for the door. Yeah. That's pretty much what it was. So So then he comes down to kill him off. Mm-hmm. And then the kid is ready for him. He's been talking to all the ghosts. And all these traps have been set without the kid's knowledge. The ghosts have been guiding him, trying to help him get out. And the kid's basically been setting up traps. The ghosts right. had like a master plan. And they each told him to do something different. And they all kind of helped added to to a plan that was going to get him mm. out. And so the plan exactly. came to fruition when the guy came in through the door and he was about to kill the kid with an axe. Oh, by the way, mm. his brother figured out that something was going on, goes into the basement, and then the mm. grabber axes his brother in the head. That dude falls right. And then fucking nut blames the kid for him killing him. He's like, now you, right. now you made me kill my brother. And I'm like, motherfucker, nobody made you kill anybody. You killed that motherfucker. <laughs> like, well, let, let's talk about Max. That's his brother, right? Yeah. Okay, Max was actually like a sleuth, a private sleuth. He figured it out. Yeah. That his brother was the killer. Yeah. Was the grabber. He was he was one of the most entertaining things about the about the movie, too. Yes, he was. Cops come to his house and the cops are like, oh, we're looking for somebody. And this guy's like, you came to the right place. Come in, come in, come in. Look, look, I think the grabber and he's got these maps. He's got these exactly. pictures, all these ideas, all this, all the, all the paper clippings. And he's like, this guy, he's got to live here because this and this happened. And he's got like the red dots on the map and all that shit. And it's like, <laughs> the cops are like, fuck this shit. Right. And so they tell him, like, and you better clean that up before your brother shows up. And they pointed to the table, and there were like lines of coke on the fucking table, on this oh, coffee man. table in the living room. Oh, that fucking guy was awesome. And the, cop, the cops were like, oh, "Okay, we'll, we'll let it go for this time, you know, fuck, you know." Yeah. But I mean, he was a very interesting character to begin with. So I was like, "Okay, fine, this guy," because I was like, "Why are they going down into the basement to find out?" And then I was like, "Wait a minute, he's." downstairs yeah and i was like what what's yeah. going on here you know and it's like 
either he's high on coke he didn't figure it out earlier i was like no way no way oh dude i was trying to figure out if that was like a cut uh-huh it was like some kind of fancy cut or if that kid was actually in that house in the basement right. i got super confused i'm like what the fuck is going on is he in that house so then right. this guy the grabber? i thought ethan hawk was the grabber this guy doesn't look like ethan hawk so i was like super confused and I, right and then, i thought i think i thought exactly what you said it was a cut yeah but then when he escaped and he came back into the house, he's like, you hear the guy yell from upstairs. Hey, what's going on? He's like, oh, it's just the dog is barking. He heard someone in the door. And I'm like, oh, he's in the same house. This dude's in the same house. Like, what? No way. Yeah. yeah. And um, I was like, yeah. but that, that cut scene, dude, it was like, okay, when he figured it out, he was like, no, nah, I can't be. No, yeah. no. He, he made that face like we all we all gonna make that face like no, it yeah. can't be. It can't, can't be my brother. It can't be my brother. And, and under my own nose, no, get out of here. You're crazy. But you know that's going through his head, and I'm like, dude, if you're stupid and I'm stupid because I sh- would never have figured that shit out myself, you know. <laughs> But man, that was crazy, man. He was like, Oh, he, he finds the kid, and the kid's like, I need help. He's like, oh, Don't worry, kid, I'll help you. And then his brother came from the back and just axed him. Yeah, I was like, You crazy motherfucker, boy. Yeah, and then he, he blames the first, he blames the kid. He's like, Look what you made me do. You ever killed my own brother? I'm like, He's an idiot, but he's my idiot. I'm like, What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He wasn't that much of an idiot. He was able to figure you out, you motherfucker. Yeah, he, hell yeah, he figured his ass out, and he man, he dawned on it too with a couple lines of cocaine. He figured all that, that came just came. It just blew his mind. I'm a, I'm like looking at him. I was like, what? It takes two two lines of coke to figure it out. Damn. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know what's in that coke, but I don't think anyone's <laughs> figuring shit out with with that much coke in them. Dude, he, that was like crazy. I was like, dude, I was like, this is this is that was the plot twist right there. That you're gonna live in the same house with somebody and you're not gonna figure that shit out. Well, like, there, was, there was a couple plot twists there, right? It's just like yeah. it's not the same house. There's two houses. Exactly. It was two houses. So that one across the street from each other. You believe that shit? I'm like, well, he buried the kids in one and mm-hmm. tortured and did whatever in the other. Right. Because he had, he had that. First of all, they're both his houses, the, the grabber's houses. The brother was just there because he he lost his job and he was living with his brother now. So that's what that's why he was there. But one house, he just bought it, never put it on sale, and then that's where he was stashing the fucking bodies, you know. And when the girl got the dream of the address. And she got spooked when she saw the four, the five kids, the five boys standing in front of him, in front of her. She looks over and sees the house. I was like, oh, shit. Then that means they're there. And no, never thought about them having a second house. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, that's just it, too. Like you're saying, like in the dream, you only see the one house. Right. Exactly. The house with the dead trees. And that's where they buried the kids. Exactly. In the basement. In the basement, they're buried in that house. Right. Across the street is where they were holding Finn. Right. right. 
and uh, it made sense because one of the things that the, the nutty fucking coke uh head was talking about max he was like well the the grabber's got to have a, a, a garage of some sort make it easy for him to come in and out and with mm. the stuff and uh, lo and behold right across the street there <laughs> the van is in a garage or in some kind right. of garage or whatever All right and uh there's the the van and i was just like motherfuckers like you know like it, i don't know but like what was more amazing is the tenacity of the of the little girl who was able right. to sit through this and like have these dreams on purpose knowing that they're dangerous for her because her dad would kick the shit out of her and she would still go ahead and have these dreams and then run out and look for the fucking house that she had in her dreams that is crazy, dude. The freaking the canicas on that girl, like she is, she's gutsy, man. She oh yeah, fucking gutsy. She was looking for, she was like riding around on her bike looking for that house and was able to find it. Not only was she able to find it, but she led the cops there. Oh, that's another uh, little subplot that we didn't really mention or talk about just yet. The cops come and look for her, looking mm-hmm. for advice. Looking exactly for, you know because they knew like twice twice yes. twice yeah twice because the first the first time they came to her was because someone mentioned black balloons and they were like that was never released how did you know about that and they were like well how did you know and i said i saw it in a dream mm. they're like what a dream and they said come on how do you know the truth it's a dream motherfucker. damn and yeah. she cussed them out too yeah, like, she did. Fuck, she was, fuck she you, had, poor chop, and all this shit. <laughs> I was like, damn. Yeah, she yeah. had it. I like that little girl. She was. Uh, yeah, she got spunk, bro. Hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> but you know, like uh, one of the roughest scenes, dude. I mean, a lot of it was rough, but one of the one of the scenes I had a real problem with was, um, when the dad beat the crap out of that kid. Oh yeah. He was like whooping on her and whooping on her. And she was screaming like like she was really getting the shit kicked out of her. And I was just yeah. like, oh my goodness, this was this is like this seems real, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that really, that really, that really got to me. Um yeah, it does. It does get then, to me too. And then in the end, when the dad is like, you know, pr- apologizing to them, they really don't kind of acknowledge the apology, you know, right. the, the two kids. Uh, Cause they're sitting in the back of a, of an ambulance and the father is so happy to see them. He's so happy mm-hmm. to see them and he tells them, Oh, I love you guys. I love you. I'm so sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Can you ever forgive me? And they, they don't really acknowledge anything he said, but like uh, you get an idea that in the beginning, or you're led to believe in the beginning that he has, that he's a bit of an antagonist. He's, he's uh, mm-hmm. like almost a villain, right? Right. And then as the story progresses, you start seeing the complexity of his character. He, you begin to realize, oh, he's living with some trauma. His wife passed away. His wife did maybe horrible things. We don't know. His wife then eventually committed suicide. We have those details, but we don't know exactly what else happened. But we know that there's trauma there and he's dealing with all that and he's not doing a very good job. He's he's taking it out on the kids. He's beating them. 
He's he's frustrated. He's scared. He's drinking alcohol. I mean, none of it is an excuse, right? None of this makes it right. But also he didn't have any of the tools and any of the resilience that you need to kind of survive a situation like that. And him doing the, what he did was just, you know, I, I guess in the eyes of the kids were was kind of unforgivable because they never really responded to him. You know, it, that was just kind of left. You don't know if they said, yeah, we love you too, daddy, or, we, you know, whatever. That was never made clear. We don't know if they forgave the father. Um, but he's a side character. He's a s- unlikable side character. And by the end of the movie, you pity him a little bit. You know, that was interesting. That was an interesting uh, portrayal of a, of a dad dealing with that kind of stuff. And his desperation, beating the shit out of the kids, beating the shit out of the daughter for being psychic, for claiming to be psychic. And he he beat the crap out of her in the hopes that she wouldn't be psychic because he doesn't know how to deal with all that. Super sad. Are there other things that you want to point out? Well, one of the things I was also pointing out was the way this guy was like appearing and kidnapping these kids. He pretty much did it the same way John Wayne Gacy did it. Okay, but when you see him grab uh, Finn, how he just he grabbed the balloons and then sprays him with that um that spray with that spray, and he when he grabbed him and put him in the bed, he's like, "It's a miracle that you can still see." Mm. It was one of the things that I was like crazy about that. I was like, "Wow, this guy just snatched him out of the street like nothing." What was that stuff? For all we know, it was spray paint. Really, don't know what it was. I mean. What could else could have been? I mean, I mean, I know it wasn't spray paint, but for him to be spraying into the kid's mouth for them to knock out is something crazy. Dude, man, this Gacy stuff. Mm. There's a sketch online of the burial locations in his basement. Mm-hmm. It's a diagram. If you go to Wikipedia, it says under the, the heading search for victims, there's a crawl space image. And that's the sketch mm. of how he like buried these people. In his cross. Oh man, that dude was a complete monster. Fuck, dude. Yeah, he was, well, he was guy, crazy. This guy is basically John Wayne Gacy. That's who this character is. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Huh, I didn't even think about that, man. Mm-hmm. Wow. First of all, I love the movie, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But some of the stuff that they got into was like really, really dark, you know. Yeah. Like toward the yeah. end when they found the empty house and they see the graves, you know, and then there's one empty for Fe- for Phineas, you know. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. That's realistic. And then for him to merge, you know, like a little sister sitting outside the house, you know, she already knows what's going on. She's she's her brother's not there. They won't probably won't say nothing to her. And here comes the here comes the van, the mor- the morgue van to pick up the bodies. And it's like, whoa! But to see him come out from the other side of the house across the street. That shit was great. Oh, dude, that was the most satisfying scene in the whole fucking movie. Yep. Dude, when he came out and you're like, like you realize, oh shit, I've been holding my breath this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought what happened was they were going to make it a little bit longer. I thought that, oh, he went to the wrong, they went to the wrong house and that this guy was probably across town. Yeah, that was my thing. I was like, what? Then he was actually across the street. That was crazy, man. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Dude, that's what I thought. I was just like, oh, shit. He's not there. 
it's the wrong house. And then they're like, right. you get to the basement and you're like, no, it's not exactly the wrong house. There's bodies here. So right. I was like, fuck. I mean, there's another location. And so all I could think about is like, oh, dude, he's got to be like, just like you said, like he's got to be <laughs> across town. Just like you said. Exactly. Exactly. And for him to just pop out of the other house across the street, I was like, oh, thank God. I don't think I could take another 30 minutes of this shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But, dude, so get this. So at the movie theater, Mm -hmm. uh, this cat, uh, high as fuck, sits down Mm -hmm. next to me. Uh, And, uh, you know, like we're in in a theater where they have like the food and stuff and the recliners and stuff. He's far away from me. He's not like right next to me where we're sharing an armrest. He's, we're sharing an area, but you know, he's like two feet over, but I can smell the weed on this guy. This guy, this guy smoked up hard and came in. He was sitting there and he was like, (laughs) just talking to himself, just talking to himself. Like, oh, I mean, we was with his girl, right? He was, you know, Mm -hmm. they were both probably high as hell. But she was, he was, he kept coming. And I was just like, dude, shut the fuck up, man. You're like taking me out of the movie, right? Yeah. Uh, but then like, uh, I forgot where it was. I think basically once the kid got stuck in the basement, dude got super quiet. Mm. And I kept looking at him and he looked like stone. Like, <laughs> like he didn't move. From the right. moment the kid got in the basement till the kid got out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Did this guy fucking die? Yeah. Like, he, yeah. he's like the, the, the weed made it real. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, probably, man. He just sat there yeah. and he's like, he didn't fucking move. He didn't budge. Nothing. Oh, God. I miss going to the movies, man. I really do. I need to start going again. Oh, dude. Next time, next time we go out, next time uh, me and Rick Gabble hit a movie theater. You gotta come with us. We'll go watch. Cool. We'll probably watch. I'm hoping he'll he'll be down to watch Halloween. Oh yeah, I know he wasn't too fond of the last one. So. <laughs> well, from my understanding, not to get off topic, but we do a lot. But he was saying that I guess uh, people have seen early versions of Halloween Kills or Ends. What? And he says that people are liking it. That it's like oh. the best Halloween movie ever. Really. I don't know. It's no, no, okay, no. but we'll see, man. We'll see. Well, it's not due to release until October, right? Yeah, uh, I can't wait. Yeah, it's in October. I think October 18th. I forget. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, dude. I can't wait. I, I can't wait either, man. That's going to be awesome. They were saying also that good news for us Friday the 13th, guys. Why is that? They're doing, a, they're doing another one. Oh, they're doing another one? Another Friday. Yeah. So I can't wait for that one. I love Friday the 13th, but like I said, I, the last one I saw was the one that they, the, the remake they did, and I sort of did like that one. I was going to say, what what they got to start doing now is is having these crossover movies. You got to have, yeah. uh, like, I mean, they already did it with Freddy and, and uh, Jason. Freddy and Jason, then they also did Alien vs. Predator. They got to make it a battle royal, man. Get oh, the man. Predator, get Aliens. Get Jason, get Freddy, get Michael Myers, get all these motherfuckers mm-hmm. in a battle royale, uh, free for all, killing everybody. That was supposed to be a game. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Well, it they was have, a game. They have some of these characters in Mortal Kombat. 
Right, but the uh, Midway was supposed to release a horror fighting game. They were going to have all these, um, like it was supposed to have Scream, Chucky, Michael Myers, Jason, Leatherface, Alien, Predator, Terminator, all these guys into like a fighting a fighting game. And I was like, do it. Do it, man. I want to see that, you know? So October and 15th is when Halloween ends comes out. When is it? Uh, October 14th. October 14th. Ooh. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to way. interrupt, but go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm pretty much over. I mean, the game was supposed to be released and Midway never released it. That's too I think they were having licensing issues and stuff like that. So it would have been kind of cool to have all those char- all those characters in this horror fighting game. It would have been awesome. So Midway horror movie game. Uh, MTV film suffers with Midway's horror game. Ah. Oh. So, Midway's action horror shooter. Wasn't that House of the Dead? No, MTV Films announced that they acquired the, uh, the option on the worldwide film rights to award-winning action horror video game property, The Suffering, the surreal software oh. of Midway Games Inc. In The Suffering, which was released in the... Uh, no, this is, not, this is not it. No. All, all I get is The Suffering coming up. Yeah, that's a prison type horror sci-fi movie. I mean, horror supernatural movie. Yeah, it was crazy. But um, but yeah, dude. So let's um, let's move on to the segment of the show where we talk about what we think this movie's about. We talked about what happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. Now we talk about some of the the symbolism the allegories the the things that that this movie is supposed to stand for what are your what's your interpretation of this movie what do you think this movie is trying to say that's a hard one right there man it is man i had a hard time so much going on in this movie it's like i don't i have no idea what this movie is all about i'm trying to put two and two together i got but some idea what did you get i'm thinking the movie's about realizing that you have a fighter in you there there's a point of where you have to kind of become self-reliant and realize that you have to kind of defend yourself you have to do things for yourself and uh that's what one of the messages that robin gave the kid uh finn he told him you're you're a fighter you've always been a fighter now you have to fight now you have to get up like you can take a beating now you got to throw one right i think it's something about that it's it's him it's kind of i don't want to say it's a rite of passage because i don't think everybody should be going through something like this in order to grow up you have to face some challenges and overcome them right Mm -hmm. and 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 realize that you can be self-reliant and i think that's what happens in the story and that's what robin tried to tell him like robin was protecting him for a long time that's one of the things that robin would do in the movies is he would beat up other kids or defend him or step in whenever he was being threatened. And that Robin was kind of a hero figure almost because he would take on the neighborhood bully and beat the shit out of him to prove a point. It's not so much for himself, but for the other kids. Exactly. He was there for everybody else, Mm. but eventually he got taken away. And the moment he got taken away, 
all the bullies that were picking on this kid, picking on Finn, started coming after him. The moment that kid was gone. Exactly. It's crazy. Like those, those assholes came after him. And I was just like, this fucking kid who died recently just told you to lay off. You fucking little assholes are now fucking with him. The next fucking day, the kid's dead. You know, right. or gone, I should say. Because you don't know if he's dead yet. Right. So um, it, it's just something to say that you're, at some point, you are going to have to fend for yourself. Uh, that there's not always going to be someone there to protect you. Sometimes you're going to have to protect yourself. Right. And, uh, and that kid, that's what that kid did for himself. Um, it's almost, I don't want to say he's growing up, but there is a, a, a factor of maturity that needs to happen there. Right. You, you, you can't, right. you can no longer keep that innocence. And I think that's another reason why they picked, uh, a, a period in the past, why they picked the seventies. It's, it was a more innocent time. You know, they didn't have Amber alerts. They didn't have cell phones, you know, something right. like this. Uh, it was a more innocent time, right? There's, there's no phones, right? The phone, no. there was, and I think that was another kind of thing that was uh, interesting because there was, there's no way to like keep track of this guy or shoot a video if you see this guy doing something, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think something like this would not be a secret for very long. People would find him out really, really fast. Oh, especially now, of course. Especially now with all the technology. But back then, I think it was a different story. That's why people got away with shit like this. Mm -hmm. But So there's the absence of phones, but there was phones. And that one phone mm -hmm. that he used to protect himself was on the wall in, in that basement. And he was talking to ghosts. Um, right. Uh, I think another thing too is uh, that happens with maturity is you gain knowledge, right? Whether uh, from your own experience or from mentors or people that kind of share that that knowledge with you, that was what the phone was for. The phone was was past people telling him what could happen if he did mm. the wrong thing and what to try in order to escape. And ultimately, all that knowledge put together from all the people that were before him let him out so exactly uh, it's a there's a theme of maturing um the other thing too is like the dad uh asking for forgiveness it could be taken a couple different ways and mm -hmm. this is just me flying off the cuff i'm thinking the dad stopped seeing the kid as a child and started seeing him more of a as an equal which is why right. he asked for forgiveness for the first time. Cause the kid went away and came back and he's not the same. Right. Kid anymore. He's not the same person anymore. He's a different kid. Now he's a little more mature, a little more grown up. And the shit that this guy was doing to a kid is not going to fly with him with a more adult person. A more adult person is going to put you on your ass. So to a certain extent, I think, he realizes this kid is not a kid anymore and that he needs to watch his, watch his step. I, I don't know if that's completely true or whatever, but there is a newfound respect for the child because mm -hmm. he's no longer a child in the man's eyes, you know? And that's why he asked. Right. Yeah. I also got this. Um, you don't know what you have until you lose it. Yeah. And that was the father at the end, knowing that my kids, 
because not only the girl also disappeared to go with the cops, you know, for, for all I know, he's probably freaking out because of that, too. But definitely for the son. You know, shit, if he's gone, he's gone. And you have to you have to um, acknowledge that. You know, and that was one of well, that was one of the issues that I was like, wow. You know, he recognizes the fact that, you know, his son at any moment can leave. Yeah. You know, so I was like, that's one of the statements I got, you know. But I mean, there's so many ways you could interpret that in this movie. You know, there is the the, the, the religion aspect of it as well. Oh, yeah. The, the God thing. The, the daughter who prayed to Jesus so that she would get dreams to help him find his brother. And then at the end, she was like, "Well, come on, what the fuck, Jesus? You didn't, you didn't, you didn't help. You didn't help me dream. You didn't give me a dream." You know, there's there's that aspect. You know, the faith, the the believing in religion or a higher being. Yeah. That was one of the issues as well. The questioning of faith, because he asked, "Do you even exist?" You yes. Know? And I was like, Ooh, "That's kind of deep for a kid." Yeah, yeah, she did ask that question. Yeah, just uh, are you even real? You know, shit. You know, but you know, she got her sign when the freaking guys appeared in front of her. Like Jesus, I would have been saying the same thing. Well, <laughs> I mean, she makes a good point when she asks the question. It's just like, I need, I need your help, but I know you're not supposed to help because of all the free will nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of the things in Catholicism is uh, they gave us free will, therefore God cannot interfere. You know, just like you, if you give your child freedom and you say, here's the keys to the car, go ahead, you know, do, you know, have a good time, come back before 10. If you follow them around and then are telling them not to go here and not to go there and then blah, 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 that's not really freedom. No. So that's the same kind of deal that when it comes to whether God exists or not. And the, and the bullshit thing is always like, well, if you want free will... He can't be following you around, saving your ass, right? Exactly, exactly. So then that's why she's like forced to ask. This is like, you know, do you even exist? Yeah. You know, like, wow, this little girl's having all those thoughts. Yeah, man, that was a deep little girl, man. Swear to God, she, she, she figured shit out before I did. Damn. Well, well not only that, dude, but this, think about it. This, this kid is having scary-ass premonitions. Yes. In her sleep. Right. Like she's she's seen messed up shit. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, some of this helps her, you know, save her brother. But I'm just like, fuck that shit, you know. Like, oof. Give me a normal dream, you know. Yeah. Where I'm in the Bahamas. I um, I couldn't help but feel that there was a little similarity between this movie and mm-hmm. well, uh. Well, there's the lack of fatherhood. That's one. There's only there's a bad father, right? Bad father. There's a bad father. Yeah. First of all, there's a bad father in both these movies. The other thing too was drugs were involved as well. Yeah. You know? This one had crystal meth. The other one had cocaine. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, um, I mean, it 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 does have its similarities. Don't get me wrong. As you said, I think it's just presented differently. 
Yeah, I, I think it's just those tropes that we're talking about. You're right. It's got they both have people dealing with drugs poorly. Uh, mm-hmm. You have uh, you have bad father figure, right? And then, uh, but then you have these these monsters. Although the monster in in Antlers was the killer, and in this mm-hmm. one, the the monsters or the ghosts were on the side of the protagonist right mm-hmm. so right. like one of the revelations you know like as we say the a protagonist is a character that realizes change or has an mm-hmm. epiphany. i would say that the epiphany that this child has is that the at the end as and as us as the viewer you realize oh shit, the ghosts had a plan this whole mm-hmm. time like all this was a grand plan all this, all this, like, do this with the window, do that with the ground, do, you know, dig that hole in the wall. It was all a misdirect. It was all part of a trap, an elaborate trap right. to get the, the bad guy who is right. not the monster, but the monster internally. Mm. Um, Which I didn't figure it out to like the end. I was like, wait, he did all this just to come to this? Yeah. Brilliant. It was brilliant. It was like a little bit of an escape room kind of thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. And I was like, wow. But I mean, the, co- the the way it presented itself was great. I love, uh, Like I said, I, I love the fact, you know, it's like each one is telling him what to do. And each, each one is saying that, oh, this is, this is your way out. This is your way out. You know, but in, in truth, it's, it's, it was all leading up to him to like, to get out, get out. You yeah. know what I mean? But what, it was great. Yeah. What did you think? And here's the thing that I meant to say uh, before uh-huh. uh, Rick picked up on uh, that the the kid killed the the bad guy, right? Okay. He was pounding on him right in the face. Guy gets mm-hmm. the guy's like waist deep in a hole that the kid, you know, tried to like use to dig himself out, and eventually it just became a trap for the bad mm-hmm. guy. The bad guy falls into the into the hole, twists his ankle, right? Then the kid hits him a bunch of times with the phone and eventually uh, ties the cord around the, the bad guy's neck, jumps over him and breaks his neck. Right. What did you think about that sequence? I, I saw it as his, as his way out. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, he... He he could have very well just knocked him out and make his way out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But he, if it were me, I'm just saying, if this was me, I would I would have done the same as, as he did. You think so? Why? I, I think so. One, because he can always come back. But the dude broke his ankle. Although, right. to be fair, the kid doesn't really know that, right? Right, but no, I'm saying, fine. He bro- he gets, he knocks him out. The cops come get him. Knowing these type of guys, they'll find a way out. Yeah. Oh, I see. What you're so he might right. get out of jail and then come and get come after him. Right. So the only sure way to make sure he doesn't come back is to make sure he he's dead. So. I have a real problem 
I mean, I get it. It's a kid. Yeah. You know? It's a kid. First of all, you know, him strapping that chain, that phone around his neck, you know, and then um, him putting the phone to his head because at that point he the 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 grabber now hears the phone. Mm. Oh, you always and heard he, the phone. He just pretended that it didn't work. That he didn't he didn't hear it. Really? Yeah, he said that he always heard it. That that he just he he knows that it doesn't work, so he he just ignores it. That's one oh. of the things that the kid, said kid said, "Oh no, he hears it. He just doesn't. He just pretends he doesn't." Wow, I missed that. Yeah, I did miss that. Okay, the the first ghost said that. Either the first oh. ghost. Or the I'm pretty sure that was the first ghost. Okay, okay, okay. I missed that. I did not. I did not hear that part. Yeah. And then I, when he put the phone to his ear, and he was like, he, they all said something to him. Yeah. There, they know? all talked shit to him. Basically, that right. They, you know. They're going to get him on the other side. Uh, Robin was like, Finn's going to kill you because I can't. And then that's when he snapped his neck. Like, click. I'm like, damn. So, like, I had a, again, I had a real problem with it. So, what does that do to the child? Right? He's been held captive. Right? Mm -hmm. He's in this situation where he's basically a victim. And then at the end, he, you know, gets himself out and kills the guy at the end. Um, right like what happens to this kid's mind after this right like does he get ptsd i would imagine he would he's just he's just a child he's traumatized in some way he has to be but he's already been traumatized because he lives with an asshole father him and him and his daughter him and his sister live with this and and uh they go through all this trauma so they're already kind of suffering probably from some form of ptsd and then you have this event you know um but in this in this case both both kids do something that's offensive that puts them in a situation that gives them control over the situation Mm -hmm. i just i wonder what happens to this kid after this you know like Mm -hmm. i mean we're talking like this kid's real but yeah (laughs) or whatever but i'm talking about the situation does this does a kid that goes through something like this do they live a normal life after this i i don't know you know uh but for sure this kid's gonna have trouble right right i mean everybody was given the eyeball when he came back you know everybody thought he was cool right everybody was well not cool everybody was like you hear little whispers saying like oh he's the one who he killed a man you know blah 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 I mean, sure, I'm sure, I'm sure people thought he was cool. He was cool, right? Well, also, right. like, but then, like, the bullies were afraid of him, right? Right, because he did give that grin when he passed by him and stuff because he saw yeah. that they were scared of him, you know? Yeah. So it's crazy. So that goes back to the idea that, that he's gone through some change and mm-hmm. that people see him differently now, right? Exactly. I, I just don't know if the kid would be walking through the hallways like that. I would like to think... Mm-hmm some shit to deal with and he's seen a therapist after this oh yeah i mean sometime he must have had passed by before he came back to school you know i'd like to think so i hope so yeah. i hope it's not like okay now it's monday you go to school mm-hmm. you know, yeah true. you got out you got out of the house uh friday we'll see you in mm-hmm. school monday yeah exactly right you've been on vacation long enough get your ass back to school <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> vacation. I've been held in a basement with a mattress and a fucking ghost phone. <laughs> oh, this is me being our being naughty, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to skip school. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. You want you want to do your report, did you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you got kidnapped. You still got to turn in that report. Mm-hmm. Shit. I, didn't, I didn't ask what you did this weekend. I asked, where's my report? <laughs> <laughs> fucking. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to hell for that one. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's a uh, man, dude. This, this, this movie. I was still thinking about it afterwards. And so, oh, yeah. one thing we, I don't think we mentioned is that this movie is originally based on a short story written by Joe Hill, who is actually is Joseph Hillstrom King, who is Stephen King's son. There you go. And that's where all that craziness comes from, you yeah. know, but, but I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're saying this is his first movie, like his, his story. I think this is the first story that he's ever made that's gone to film. Okay. Which is a great start for him. Yeah, um, he is 50, and I believe this comes from a collection of horror stories that he wrote called The 20th Century Ghosts. Ooh. Yeah, so now I want to kind of pick up this book. Man, so do I. (laughs) Dude, I'm going to have to look that up right now. 20th Century Ghosts. Ghosts. Let's see that. I'm going to have to order it and put it on my list right now. Yeah, that book uh, won it won a Bram Stoker's award and a British wow. award for best collection. Cause it's a collection of stories. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a book with a bunch of different stories and this is one of the short stories in it. Okay. So let's take this out. Now that we're on the subject of books, uh-huh. uh, I went and got paper girls. Ooh, I've been reading that to the kids. I right. got paper girls. I also got the turtles. Oh, you got the turtles. Yeah, but get there. So uh, on Amazon, you can find compodiums of uh, Invincible. Now, compodiums <laughs> are like these giant books of collected right. comics. They're gigantic. Uh-huh. And so I, it's like 200 and something, 300 something pages. Wow. Uh, yeah. I'm, and uh, Lechuga He's got him, his hands on one and is pounding through that shit. What? The Invincible? Yeah, Invincible. Ooh. Yeah, I'm thinking. Where did you find that at? Well, like I said, Amazon. Oh, let me, let me look that up. Invincible. Oh, there's two of them only, right? There's uh, one and two. No. There's, oh, there's, there's three. There's three Compodiums. Man, how much are these bad boys? This is 50 bucks. One Compodium, if you get it on, on, well, if you get the hardbound book, the fancy books that you like to get, Mr. Mr. Fancy Pants. Hey, yeah, hey, hey, hey. Don't, don't hate, man. Don't hate. Oh, I'm going to hate because I can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're only in paperback. Yeah, they have the paperback, but the giant Compodium paperback, and that's $41. Yeah, 41 bucks. Yeah, if you get the Comixology Kindle edition, that's $30. It says there's a series of five. I see there's a series of, of three. Book one of three. Compodiums. One, two, three. Okay, Compodiums. Okay, so that's the complete series, right? 
Compendium. I'm sorry. Compendium. I'm mispronouncing this shit. Compodium. Mm-hmm. Compendium. So there's a uh, there's three volumes of or three comp- compendiums, and that mm-hmm. shit that shit those are long as. Oh, dude, no! Wait a minute. The amount of there's a there's one thousand two hundred and forty or one thousand twenty four pages. In the first in one, Ooh, I in love the it. First, in the first compendium. Okay, for all three, it's one hundred and twenty-eight dollars. Oh, check you out, Mister Moneybags. Fuck, man, you well, guess start. what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get these bad boys. Oh, mm-hmm. They're on my list. All right, just watch. Next week, I'll have them. Oh, <laughs> together, together, they're one hundred and twenty-eight dollars. Yeah, one hundred twenty. Well, actually, one hundred and twenty-nine, which isn't bad. Which is and that's what I've been doing. I was supposed to go to Comic Con last week and I didn't go. Mm. And I was like, I'm fiending for these books. And I have a list of books that I'm looking to get. I'm trying to get like the first Ninja Turtle series, not the Archie ones, but the black and white ones. Huh. They came out with like five books, but they're big, thick books. So when I get those, and then um, I put in. Well, let's see. Let me let's just go over my list right now. Um, I did the turtles, and then I am doing the the bat who laughs. The story about him. Oh. And then they get the second book I wanted to get was the Batman: The Ultimate Guide to the New Edition, which is the new edition to like the new Batman. You know. So I got those, and I got the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Ultimate Collection, Volume One, and it's the East, the original Eastman books. But they're all like in one big. There's one big bundle, but there's five volumes of this book. So, so it's like one, two, three, four, and five. One one book that I'm that I'm dying to collect to to kind of put together mm-hmm. is the the Saga books. Have you ever read? Saga, you told me about this. Oh, dude, it's so good. It is weird as fuck. You told me. Saga is like space mythology. (laughs) Is the best I can do. Yeah, so like a demon with horns and angels with wings and all that kind of shit is real and is in space. They're all really. Yeah, and I, I. I haven't read What's it. it called? The, it's called, it's called Saga. S-A- just, just Saga? Yeah. S-A-G-A. Saga. Right. S-A-G-A. Yeah. I, I, I only read the first volume, and I still didn't understand exactly what the heck was going on. Oh, is it book one? There's How many books is there? One? There's there's a whole bunch, but they also have a compon- uh, compendium. Right. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. The compendium is, is $30. They only have one. One compendium. Here's the box set, one through nine. Yeah, that, those Eight are the separate volumes. But it's all the same story, right? It's all one continuous story? Yeah, it's all one story. But if you get the compendium, you you got the whole story. Oh, how much is that? $31, that ain't bad. Yeah. There's two of them. There's two different versions of it. Which one's, what's the difference? Uh, one, is, one is like a darker book and the other one's a lighter book. And it's just the finger pointing up. I only see the one... Ah, compendium. It says, yeah, the 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 see the series before books. 
The Ultimate Binge Read, collection of the first nine volumes of the critically acclaimed New York Times bestseller series and to the massive paperback. This tells the story, the entire story so far, ooh, of a girl named Hazel and her star-crossed parents featuring, Jesus, 1,400 pages yeah. of gorgeous graphic. Ooh, dude, you just got me hooked on this thing just by saying that. It's, it's going on the list. Dude, it's a beautiful book. It's 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 got some really interesting art. It's the same, I think the same artist or writer as in the paper girls mm-hmm. so i think that yeah. i think he's the same person that that wrote that story mm-hmm. well I'm, i put that one book we just talked about the um 20 centuries ghost yeah on my list as well as the black phone i'm also i want to read that so brian k frangan mm-hmm. i don't know how to pronounce his name uh he wrote paper girls he wrote saga and I believe he wrote something else. Oh, Why the Last Man. Why the Last Man. Okay, I see that there too. Why the Last Man, yeah. Dude, I highly recommend Saga. I highly recommend mm-hmm. Saga. Saga's really good. And it's, uh, but definitely adult reading. So don't okay. read kids, y'all. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta finish up Paper Girls. Then I'm gonna go through whatchamacallit, uh, Turtles. Yeah, so let's just finish this bad boy up. Yeah, uh, let's finish it up, bro. So I think I think we said our piece. So uh, this is Edgar Travis. Thank you so much for listening, and with me and my host cousin Primo. Primo, we're out, brother. We're out. The music you're listening to is titled "Straight Shooter" by DJ Dens the Rooster. You can find that over at Epidemic Sound. Now, if you're a content creator, make sure you check out Epidemic Sound. Epidemic Sound offers a wide variety of musical options for a monthly subscription price. And if you do head on over to Epidemic Sound, make sure you use my referral link in the description. As you can probably tell from the Black Phone review I just gave, I really like this movie. It had me on the edge of my seat the whole time. It was a trip. Now, if you like what you heard and you want more, make sure you head on over to our website, theflowrollpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes and a store where you can buy some merchandise and support the podcast. And make sure you follow us on Instagram. You can find me under the name Edgar Otraves. You can follow the show under the name The Flow Roll. And you can follow my co-host, Cousin Primo, under the name The underscore real underscore Cousin Primo. And if you like this show, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, and share wherever you get your podcast at. And press all the buttons that make the podcast gods happy. Thank you so much for listening. This is Ergo Travez. Behave yourselves. Laters. <laughs>